This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 196, and I have the wonderful Dr. John Gray joining me again on the show. If you missed our part one last year, uh, I would definitely recommend you go back and have a listen. Uh, It was a fantastic show, and people had a lot of questions born out of that first show, So I managed to secure some more time with John to uh, join us from over in LA and uh, dive a little bit deeper. So today we have a a deeper look at this role of men and women and what each need to feel fulfilled in relationships. We also look at uh, single sex couples as well and uh, how to navigate the male-female energies that uh, we display in those relationships and a ton of other stuff. He shares some really great anecdotes, some clinical stories, some personal stories, and John just has such a way of helping us all do better in our relationships, that's for sure. And I noticed actually that uh, Dave Asprey has John as his guest this week over on the Bulletproof podcast. So if you're a listener to Bulletproof, Um, you'll have already picked it up. And if you want a saucier chat than the one I had with John today, uh, then you can go over to the Bulletproof podcast after this show and hear and learn all about the different forms of orgasm. So what have I got to share with you today? Uh, I am very excited that we have more and more Lotox Club members joining us every week at the moment. It's fantastic to see so many new members. Uh, we are right in the sort of, well, coming to the end of our Clean Air Feature Month. And this is a part of the bonuses that you get being a Lotox Club member, which you can join anytime either via the website and click the explore tab and join the club is the first option, or we always mention it in the show notes on the podcast page. And uh, every month, the uh, month unlocks for our club members in their club dashboard. And July, was all about improving our indoor air quality. So we've looked at all sorts of aspects of that. And then this week, we actually have a wonderful building biologist joining us to talk all about air conditioning, uh, condensation, humidity, airflow, different forms of air conditioning, how to clean, who to trust to clean your air conditioning system. And that is all exclusive to club members. So if you like these nerdy deep dives and the chance to ask your own questions and uh, then have these extra experts that we bring into the club, then please come join us there. It's not just that, but you get 50% off our Low Tox Life e-courses all year round. You also get, uh, obviously, um, access to the private membership group in Facebook and uh, the private membership portal. 
where you have your login details and all of your exclusive monthly ebook. Um, and we do like a little mindfulness exercise and a bit of a, a boost and a group chat around the topic uh, once a month as well. So there's a ton of stuff happening in there and it's really, really fun. And because you pay a teeny tiny $49 Australian a year, which is about 30 bucks US, about 28 euro, uh, you don't have all of the people that can join free groups on the internet saying scary things. <laughs> it's a really beautiful, supportive, empowering, private, positive, evidence-based group um, without uh, a whole bunch of weirdness, insults and trolling. Uh, so it's a really beautiful place to be to bring your low-tox life to life. And I would love to see you there. So jump in and join us and uh, you can make the most of the uh, special that we're doing on Indoor Air with the building biologists for the club members who've all submitted some great questions and I can't wait to dive into that in the group. Another thing I wanted to share with you is we have a winner for our second TheraHealth Nordic Naturals Arctic Cod Liver Oil giveaway. So last week we were giving away not the liquid, which is the one my son and I use, uh, the Arctic D Cod Liver Oil, but we're giving away the soft gels and different strokes for different folks. People like different things. I actually really like to travel with these because it's a little bit easier and you don't have to worry about it spilling in suitcases and bags. Although worrying about things spilling in suitcases and bags right now is not something that frankly we need to be worried about. So uh, we gave away a bottle and the winner was Sharon E. I'm not going to say the full name for privacy reasons, but we've uh, replied to you in the comments, Sharon, and uh, you can pop us an email to let us know your postal address so we can get it out to you. Congratulations. Uh, now, I just wanted to uh, also kind of just share a few things about why a really good omega-3 supplement uh, is worth your time in terms of exploring whether that might be something you need. Uh, last week's intro, I went quite extensively into the various symptoms that might be showing up in people who have deficiency in omega-3s, everything from uh, skin issues to immune health issues to uh, depression, anxiety. So it's definitely one of the ones that you want to screen and, and get a bit of an idea of whether that might be useful for you because it's such an easy thing to take every day. And what if it moves the needle on your situation? I would love that for you. So uh, that is why I'm passionate about this particular product and this brand uh, Nordic Naturals I'm particularly passionate about because of their incredibly high quality natural ingredients, their production standards, the filtration system they use to remove mercury uh, and any other contaminants that are found often in a lot of the cheap oils and the way that they are processed completely fresh means you are not getting an oxidized oil. There are a lot of fish oil capsules, those El Cheapo ones in the big tubs with the huge specials stickers in uh, pharmacies and um, supermarkets, where if you cut that capsule open and you had a sniff, you, you could tell it, it was not a very fresh oil. There are all sorts of things being done in the name of health these days, and I wouldn't want you to waste your money or get an inferior product, which would be a complete waste of time and hope, frankly. So 
getting a great quality omega-3 is really, really important. And I am a huge fan of Nordic Naturals. I know uh, past show guest Dr. Carrie Jones has also recommended them a stack of times, uh, as have um, as has uh, past show guest paediatrician Dr. Elisa Song. So this is not a, a, a brand that is just being advertised willy-nilly. It's something I use and I use it based on the recommendations of wonderful, wonderful doctors that I know and trust. And so I urge you to check out TheraHealth's website. We have a link in the show notes and you can see where you might be able to get Nordic Naturals as a brand. Uh, but I've popped a couple of suggestions in the show notes for you anyway, where I get mine. So enjoy and of course, enjoy this juicy chat about relationships with the one and only Dr. John Gray. Hello, John. How are you? I'm good. Good. Good to be with you again. I'm very excited. A lot of people have requested this follow-up uh, conversation, so it's an absolute uh, joy to be bringing it to people. Um, where to start this time? I guess given so many people have been through a commonality, whether that challenge looks, I mean, that challenge looks very different for one person to the next, but we have all been through varying degrees of quarantine, isolation, uh, and a time that a lot of people have loved, but a lot of people have not. And uh, for the people who normally love a large amount of independence and freedom in their life, uh, you know, those couples that work better when they have large amounts of time apart, um, how can we navigate times? Because it may happen again. There may be a second wave, as a lot of the experts are talking about, that we're all lumped together again uh, indefinitely and quite intensely. How do we navigate that when, we're, when things change so dramatically? It's obviously a huge stress in some way emotionally. It's huge. It's huge. And you, you actually defined it very clearly for many people we're used to spending most of our time away from our partners. We don't have a relationship which is based upon spending all the time with our partners. And very few people have that, okay? <laughs> Maybe there's some people that have, but generally speaking, we have our separate lives. I call it the 80-20 rule. 20% of our happiness comes through our relationship. 80% comes through our life. And so- ah, we And would you suggest that that's kind of quite a, a healthy 80, 20 very rule. healthy. Yeah. Very healthy. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a, it, it's, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. You have to love yourself before you can love another person. And we hear that all the time, but let me go a little deeper into that. If I'm hard on myself for not being perfect, then when other people are not perfect, I'll naturally be hard on them. If I punish myself for making mistakes, then that's my standard in life. Then I will, if my partner makes mistakes, I will punish them. And part of our tendencies, uh, you know, we all have those tendencies. We can be hard on ourselves. Then in certain ways, we'll be hard on our partners. Maybe not in always the same ways, but we feel, well, they should be different. And that's where some insight comes in, which is most people, you know, you never can say everybody, but most people, you love yourself. And how do I love myself? Um, I forgive myself for my mistakes. Uh, I, uh, and I can do that sometimes. Sometimes I can't. So what do I do if I can't? I go out and have a good time. You know, when you're having a good time, 
your heart opens and then you can forgive yourself better. See, it's doing things that make you feel good is self-love. Uh, you know, if, if you're a woman and you like makeup, you put on makeup, you will feel better. If you're a woman, you, you like to shop. If you like to shop, go buy some dresses. You know, this is a great time, by the way, to go online and shop. You can buy little things. Uh, what, what I've learned about women is, you know, the estrogen hormone is so important for their well-being. It doesn't take big things to stimulate estrogen. Little gifts, little presents in the mail, little acts of affection, little compliments being attentive to little details actually is just as important for estrogen production as doing something big for her. So loving yourself doesn't have to be some big thing. It could be a lot of little things that you do for yourself, but that's self-love. And then there's called friends. You know, friends are very important for everybody. And now some people, maybe they don't need as many friends. Generally speaking, women need more friends than men. You know, many women say, oh, my husband, he only has one best friend. Well, that's good enough for him. <laughs> okay. Not- <laughs> yeah, because often I've spoken to girlfriends about this and we're perplexed as to why our men don't socialize more and talk with other guys more. And that's okay. We that's just okay. let it go. It's, you know, one yeah. is enough, you know. <laughs> it's a, and some men will have more friends, you know, but uh, it's not as much of a necessity. Talking is, you know, interacting and sharing is a big deal to express estrogen. When you share emotions and feelings or secrets or share things that other people you wouldn't share with, that's called intimacy. And intimacy, uh, that emotional intimacy is, again, it stimulates female hormones. It makes, increases well-being in women. Not so important for men. What's more important for men is even competition. Look what I can do. Look what I'm really good at. I'm better at this than you. You know, these are all healthy things. You know, there's a whole movement to sort of squash masculinity. You shouldn't compete. Everybody should win. No, there's winners and losers. Uh, Life is filled with winners and losers. So you can't win at everything. That's one of the important lessons in life is you find what you're good at. And when you achieve and accomplish and overcome difficulty, uh, overcome challenge, it produces testosterone. Now that's good for women, feels good, but it's a necessity for men. See, it's what's most important. So there is a a lot of similarity between men and women, of course, but where we're different, particularly is our hormonal makeup. And when we're feeling stressed, uh, it's, you know, for a guy to be able to have his physical exercise, for example, is very important, you know, like during the, the COVID staying at home kind of a thing. Oh, just changed everything for me. I get on my bicycle and I ride and I ride. I don't normally exercise that much, but Normally, I'm running through airports, I'm getting on planes, I'm facing challenges. Yeah, it's incidental That's, usually. Yeah. yeah, it's incidental. But, you know, just overcoming adversity is a big testosterone stimulator. And, and for women, overcoming adversity is actually learning to forgive and to love. See, needing help and forgiving mistakes are big estrogen producers. Okay, so you're always being challenged in life to be more loving, to be happy, to be fulfilled. And that's a if you're out there in the world and you're interacting, you're being challenged all the time. So you're stimulating those hormones. And for men, you're always being challenged. You know, I'm going through the airport. I'm trying to make, make it on time. There's a flight canceled. What am I going to do here? I'm solving problems. When you're solving these problems all the time, that's a testosterone producer. Now, if you're confident in doing that, you don't get stressed. If you're not confident in doing that, then there's some stress, but still you're making testosterone. Then at the end of the day, if there's been some stress, you need time to rebuild that testosterone. And this is what 
so important for women to understand is the idea of the cave. Men go to their cave, you know, they have their shed, you know, in Australia, you go to the cave or the shed, and it's a time where you're alone. You're not dependent on anybody's approval. You're doing what you want to do for yourself. It's kind of a self-love time. So self-love is the foundation for then filling up and then overflowing in your relationship. And self-love is just one of those, you know, 20% your relationship, think of it 20% your self-love, 20% is achievement, education, learning new things. You know, today I learned a new software, you know, I felt really good. I was learning, you know, the whole how to do files and send files with Dropbox, you know, it was like I had to overcome some challenges, a little frustration, whatever. Then when I conquered it, I felt good. You know, most, we all know when we overcome something, we feel so good. That's because it stimulates certain hormones and so forth. So, uh, you know, these are the, the dynamics of uh, loving yourself, learning new things, having fun. Playing is a, very fun, is a very important hormonal builder for both men and women. And that's where we're kind of similar, but also different. You know, guys will play different games. They tend to be more competitive. Not that women can't enjoy those as well. And, you know... What games do women play? Well, I know my daughters, they play board games and they play cards and they play all these questions. Uh, you know, we get together, I forget the names of all these acting out things and whatever. Oh, ah, yeah, charades and Pictionary. and Pictionary yeah. and all that stuff. This is yeah. like a great time for people to get back involved with Clue and Pictionary and all those things. And it's my daughter who brings that forth. You know, I wouldn't think of it. but And, and you know, this is human beings interacting in a playful way with a win-lose, but there's no danger. You see, mm. who cares who wins? You just have to enjoy the game. So it's not, it sounds like we have to just understand these basics of what helps us feel healthy, uh, satisfied, accomplished, loved, um, both in the self and from others, and simulate that in these uh, more... Um, uh, more isolated experiences that we're having and just make sure we're ticking those basic boxes. And, and so coming back to the, the whole context was 20% from your partner. And then you have a healthy relationship. It's not your partner's job to fill you up completely. And if you're 80% full, then your partner can easily bring the last 20%. And that's not even to make you feel good. It's to make you feel better than good. That's why we can go intimacy, relationships, romance, sharing life. That can take us to a higher level, but we should have a plateau level, which is we're happy, whether we're single or in a relationship. You know, I was counseling a guy the other day and he was saying, you know, I just got out of a relationship and I don't know what went wrong. All I know is that I'm out of the relationship now and I feel great. I said, well, tell me why you feel great. Well, I feel very manly. You know, I feel free and I'm competing and I'm working out. And I just feel great. And I said, that's what you have to learn how to feel when you're with a woman. You can also feel that way. You don't have to give that up. But one of the ways men give it up is they think that, that there's a lot of messaging that if you're not always attending to and giving your attention to your spouse, to your partner, that you're not a good partner. You can't take your, we might call me time, cave time. And, you know, when a woman falls in love with a man, usually he doesn't live with her. So he's away most of the time. So when they spend time together, it's quality time where she's getting her extra 20%. But 80% of his life is somewhere else. So just this concept of 80-20 can help us at a time we're in quarantine because we can get caught into uh, misinterpreting. Misinterpreting means, oh, if he's ignoring me, it means he doesn't love me. 
if he doesn't love me, I can't ask for help. If he doesn't love me, I, I, we, uh, well, I feel hurt. I'm giving more and I'm not getting back. Am I doing something wrong? Does our relationship have a big problem? So we, we, we add something to the problem. Certainly you're not getting everything you need right now, but you can't look to your partner for that. You have to find other ways to give yourself what you need. And I will say, you know, for me, um, another one of those, you know, there was 20% doing things for yourself, 20% be with your friends, 20% having fun, whatever's fun for you. Uh, you know, I get on my my bicycle and I got one of these bicycles with with a video in front of it of different oh, cool. yep. Swiss mountains, you know, so I'm riding yep. my bike through the mountains, you know. <laughs> is it one of those oh. Pelotons? I don't know what that what that is. But oh, it's okay. A, it's, it's a like super cool bike gym. that you guys have in the US that I'm jealous of. I really want one. <laughs> yeah, I have a recumbent bike. I sit back and I've got a fan that blows on me and I'm riding through the Alps, you know. And <laughs> it's mountains. pretty perfect. It's pretty cool, you know, yeah. it's all imaginary. But it's fun, you know, I, I get my exercise that way. And, you know, one of the problems, I'll just toss this in. It, it's not like part of our interview, but I was just, again, doing another interview on health and wellness. And all we're hearing in the news is wait, you know, wait until we get the vaccination. Wait until we get the vaccination. People are dying. We have to wait till the vaccination. And I go, wait a second. Why don't we talk about all the healthy people that get the virus and don't get sick? We don't need the vaccination to protect us. How many people actually have died who exercise three times a week? No one. If you exercise three times a week, your immune system will be stronger. If you don't eat so much meat, your immune system will be stronger. It's just, we got to like bring this into balance here. Everything is about, we'll die unless we get a vaccination. Hold on. 99% of the population aren't even exercising every day and they're not going to die. But then look at the people who have no possibility of getting sick. They're exercising. We don't have a big research showing, hey, you know, people who exercise three times a week do not get sick. That's true. (laughs) But they don't tell you that. We're all like always looking for... It's absolutely true. The conversation is, um, you know, and there's a place for that conversation. I'm not disagreeing with the need to have uh, global public health efforts in terms of, you know, cure, treat. There's always a place for that. But there should be a huge place for immune boost, resilience, uh, you know, health in general. And it's just not a part of the daily conversation. I'm actually here regionally in Australia at the moment and there was an Indigenous community ad that came on the TV because you get the ads from the area that you're in kind of thing. And it was the first time in a, uh, in a mainstream media setting since the beginning of the coronavirus that I had seen a suggestion to eat healthy. It was the first public health message around prevention other than staying home and sheltering in place. And of course there's a place for that as well. But I was just but exercise every day. Go out. I was so shocked. Eat healthy. Go for a walk, you know, um, and uh, speak to people you love so that your mental health is protected. If you don't have anyone to speak to, reach out to the helplines. You know, we've got these basic public health messages around um, what it means to be a healthy, functioning human are missing right now in the mainstream conversation. And that's a real shame. It is. Yeah, it is. Mm. It's a big missing. It's like, wow, 
why is nobody saying this? It's yeah. so amazing. Health yeah. is literally and, the elephant in the room right now. Yeah, yeah, mm. it is the elephant, the big elephant in the room. Mm. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. I no, just think I think it was a, an, uh, an important tangent, John. It, you know, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned when we talked before that I talk about the genie in the bottle. Yep. No, okay, good. So yep, people should did. know that because when men feel that they're helping women feel better, men's testosterone goes up and men feel better. And it's just little things for 20 minutes, just be her servant, do whatever she asks you to do. And she gets to enjoy feeling like I have someone who's helping me because the female hormone, the most powerful female hormone for well-being for women to lower stress is estrogen. And whenever somebody does something for you, estrogen goes up. And if you ask, if you feel you can ask for help, estrogen goes up even more. So talk to me about that, because I think that's really interesting in a time where it feels like, and I've talked to so many women about this, it feels like there is a shame around asking for help. And I was talking to that wonderful philosopher, Charles Eisenstein, recently on the show, and he was talking about how we've moved from this gifting economy to this I outsource and I pay for everything economy. And the gifting economy sounds like from what just a hint from what you were saying was the thing that was also missing for women's sense of feeling helped and loved and supported. We don't do all those things for each other and have that powerful network of I can reach out and ask for help. And it doesn't need to necessarily be asking for help from men. It's just actually women feel like they can't ask for help for anybody. We need to be these strong people that can do it all and do right, it ourselves. Right. And, that's and that's this culture. Unhealthy. It is very unhealthy. Uh, but I love when you talked about the gifting culture. I've never been able to talk about this. This is wonderful. One of the most unusual things I experienced is when I went down and I lived for a while in Ecuador and the Amazon. And so I, I went on a little plane, uh, landed on a dirt strip, and then got in a canoe uh, for three hours down the Amazon, then jumped, walked through the jungle for five hours, all with a guide, my wife and I, to visit uh, this village. And the village, they didn't have money. Imagine a world where you don't have money. When you get married, the whole village comes together and they build your hut. Now, how do you feel for the rest of your life towards your village? You know, what happens is, you know, when somebody comes and fixes my plumbing, I see that person in the store, I have not much connection for them because I paid them. I paid them off. You know, you just, our relationships are so transactional, you know, okay, uh, you did that for me. Here's money. You know, I don't owe you anything as opposed to, and not that we want to live from an obligation, but it's a joy if somebody helps you to want to help back. And that is reciprocity. Now that reciprocity is what we can have, not in the work world, because we live in a consumer world, but in our personal relationships. That's the idea, is that we're in a place where we're giving and receiving based upon our, our love. You know, we care about each other. And that's where in my work, it's so helpful when it comes to gender differences. If you're with someone of the opposite sex, now this is just when you're with someone of the opposite sex, or you're in a gay relationship and your partner is more the masculine and you're more the feminine, because that tends to happen as well, is the, the, the masculine side of us grows and feels well-being when we get messages that say, I appreciate you, I need you, I depend on you, and you're there for me. I trust that you're there for me. I, I know if you make mistakes, you're doing your best. It's okay. No big deal. 
the better, you know, that's a problem, but oh, you give me so many other wonderful things, it doesn't make a difference. So those are all messages. We all need to hear those kind of messages, but particularly our male side grows from that. Now the female side grows from someone says, oh, what do you need? What can I give you? Oh, let me take care of you. Oh, I will help you. Oh, I see you. I notice you. I adore you. I love you. I embrace you. I want to be, I'm your backup system. You can always depend on me. You see, those are two opposite forces. You could summarize them. You know, you kind of want to hold things in our mind. I summarize it as what women are the female side of us. The female hormones are stimulated when I give messages that say through my action and my speech that I care about you, your priority, that I understand what's going on inside of you. Allah, I hear you. I understand it. I see you. And respecting you is honoring those needs, those wishes, those wants that you have and not just thinking of myself. That is very, very estrogen stimulating. And too much estrogen for men makes them weak. And too much testosterone stimulation for women makes them feel overwhelmed, pressured. And what stimulates testosterone is someone say, oh, you solved my problem. Oh, I can depend on you. You're the man. You're the one. You're, I trust you. Will you do this for me? You do this for me. So doing, a lot of doing, <clears throat> If you're doing a lot, what you're wanting to get back is you need to feel appreciated, you need to feel accepted, you need to feel that people depend on you. And that makes a man a man. You know, you, you don't, it connects with masculine energy. And like you said, for many women today, there's this stigma that if you're on your female side and you need help, that somehow it's weak. Part, part of that, you know, if we look at part of that, not the whole thing, but if a man was to be that way, you would see him as weak and not be attracted to him. See how that works? So, so there's the imagination that if I need help, he won't be attracted to me. But actually, it's the oldest cliche, which is based on reality, of the woman who wants to get a guy to fall in love with her. She's, this is a French novel, famous novel. She's riding along on her horse. She's an expert horse person. But she pretends like she's out of control and falls off of her horse and the man comes and rescues her. His, his adrenaline's pumping, which increases his testosterone. She's going, oh, thank you, thank you. And now he feels appreciated. He bonds with her and falls in love with her. Now that's manipulation, so I'm not recommending that. But that is the oldest manipulation in the book. Because men are so simple. Just get them to do something, reward them, and they love you. But you, want to, you don't want to have to fake what you need. See, that's part of the idea of women using that as a manipulation. Other women go, hey, I'm not going to pretend to be weak and need a man. But there are real needs. What are your real needs? And the real needs is particularly when you're feeling stressed is you need a kind of emotional intimacy, which is hear me, see me, care for me, validate me. These are like emotional needs. And today, <clears throat> in our modern world, they become more important. You know, when you're, if you're hungry and cold, you don't care about your emotional needs. <clears throat> I don't care if you have the same ideas as me, just give me a blanket, you know, <laughs> you're my friend. So, but once we get out of the, out of the uh, survival mode, suddenly our emotional needs become very important. We want to feel loved and men feel loved, but they're always trying to solve your problems because that will make them feel successful. And women are always feeling like, I need you to see me, notice me, hear me, love me, touch me. Because those are the things that stimulate estrogen, helping her to feel she's not alone. And aloneness for, for both men and women is a deep fear, but deeper for women. Because okay? uh, when you're actually men's cave time is you're alone, then you can do things and prove, see what I can do myself. Uh, that's a good thing for men. 
And for women, it's, oh, I have to do everything myself. She feels overwhelmed and exhausted. You know, I've never heard a man come into my office and say, oh, I have to do everything. Maybe a few times. <laughs> but it's what women say all the time. <laughs> You've heard it from Dr. John Gray, folks. <laughs> Uh, although a huge shout out to my husband who has been doing most of the remote schooling and, uh, and cooking while I've been, uh, working because his business is the one in the downtown right now. And, uh, and I think that's been really healthy for us to have, uh, as long as you hold it as the appreciation. Exactly. So he really is rescuing me and saving the day by doing this right now. And I feel a lot of estrogen around that. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. As Mm. long as a woman can see this is a gift to me, then it doesn't matter. See, the roles we used to have are not so important. They were, they were there because they were a necessity for society. When women were pregnant all the time and it was a dangerous world, you needed a man out there protecting you and handling the outside world. So it was a nice partnership. We've outgrown that. So wherever your skills are needed, whatever required, you can play with these uh, roles, but still as human beings, there's that feeling where you, you, you feel, oh, he's helping me. And he feels appreciated by you. And that feeds him. And it really is very, very important because cooking and cleaning and taking care of children generally in our culture is not a big high paying job. Therefore, it doesn't immediately register as a big testosterone booster. But when a woman says, oh, I'm so lucky you're doing that, then it's a testosterone booster because that's more important than money is to feel that I'm providing something of service for the person I love most. Yeah. So key, isn't it? And I think what you just said there, we've outgrown those roles, um, uh, helps us kind of then start to think about the building blocks of what needs to happen for us all to be happy and healthy and have good hormonal balance and, um, and make it for the times we're in or the type of relationship we're in. You mentioned gay couples before briefly. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, when you work with gay couples, uh, um, what are some of the different things that come up? Are there issues where sometimes they find it hard to fall into the the more male and the more female kind of roles, you know, when two people are really similar? That must be really interesting. It is interesting. And, you know, one sense, because they are so similar, it's easier to understand where somebody's coming from. Mm, I was Uh, wondering about that. There's there's that aspect, which is more understandable. But at the same time, there's a polarity. Okay. Always, whenever there's a sexual attraction with someone, which is usually the foundation of a relationship, and that's what I'm talking about, a relationship where there was a sexual attraction, that polarity is what allows that to exist. That partner over there is exhibiting some quality that that's not fully expressed inside of me. So by connecting with them, with them, I could find that part of me. So there was uh, two women. I give you an example of, I'm talking about how women will often need to feel heard and supported. And if, if, he's, if a man's listening and he gets feedback that says, oh, you're helping me so much, then he's satisfied as well. And she says, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. You know, I, I want my partner to listen to me. And then the par- other partner said, yeah, you know, I can, I, I relate to, you know, uh, her needing to talk and everything and me feeling I want to be appreciated for what I do. But then I also want to talk as well. <laughs> so, so there's like, I'm both, I'm both. So one partner in that situation was more like just feminine, very feminine. 
And the other one, more masculine, was masculine and feminine. You see, so there's a, a dynamic because if you just look at it in terms of a human being with a female body that can make a baby, then her body, in order to be have wellness and, and life force, has to be capable of making that baby. I mean, there's a hormonal balance that women have in their bodies that allows them to make babies. And then after that, then there's still that hormonal, it's a little different, but they still have a different hormonal balance than men. Men have a hormonal balance that lets them make a lot of babies, okay? <laughs> so so the, their, their biology is very, very different from a woman's in terms of nature rewards us when we're in line with eating and making babies. That's the, the most survival mechanisms inside of our brain. All this unconscious mechanism is to mate and to eat. Uh, you can't survive without that. Then when those are fulfilled, now we become less gender and we're more having emotional needs. But even emotional needs are different when it comes to balancing those hormones. If those hormones, those, those procreative hormones, estrogen, progesterone, oxytocin, and testosterone, those are your big ones, uh, when those harm and prolactin, when those hormones are like in, a, in the right balance for you to make babies, then there's a huge amount of reward nature gives you. Our body will give you a lot of reward for that. So you feel really good. And when you're not in that balance, you don't feel good. This is just the way life is. So, I mean, I didn't design it, but once you get, <laughs> once you get to the place where those hormones are in balance, there's not much difference between men and women. But it's when we go out of balance, we can see those differences so much. And if we're out of balance, respecting the differences of how we, you know, it's like men, women need to talk, men go to their cave. And now you get the modern woman who's more on her male side. She says, oh, I have no time to talk because I have to solve all the problems of the world. Well, she's on her male side. But actually what would bring her back to her female side is to share and talk more and be heard. And now she'd have the, the traditional role problem again, which is, you know, in the old days and, and the 90s. I'm talking about just the 90s when I wrote Men Are From Mars. Women's biggest complaint then is my husband doesn't listen. Mm. And now you get men saying, hey, honey, why are you not talking to me? She says, <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I have nothing to say. I got to do stuff, you know? So, yeah. so she's way on her male side and she might even be in her cave, but her answer to feeling better is not staying in the cave. It's having some time in the cave because the cave will rebuild testosterone, but then she needs to come over here and rebuild her estrogen much more. So it's, so there's a balance to this whole thing. So understanding this male and female energies where we stand with it can be very helpful. And the other thing with gay couples, and even in, in straight couples as well, this is kind of fun, which is role reversal. Just play role reversal. Uh, usually when couples, when couples have a, a pretty exciting sex life, they play role reversal. Sometimes, you know, you see it in the movies a lot where a guy, you know, is pursuing a woman and then she sort of gives into the whole thing. Then she pushes him down in bed and jumps on him. You see, she is, she's now going into her male energy. So she starts out in her female pursuing, then she goes to her male energy, and then he rolls her over and he's in his male energy. So there's kind of a going back and forth. And this actually happens with the hormones. When a woman is close to ovulation, I mean, when she can get pregnant, her estrogen levels will go to the highest level, okay? They, they double, okay? So 20 times higher than a man's estrogen, what a woman will go to when she ovulates. She can also go to that at other times with a romantic evening or some foreplay and whatever. 
that's makes her different from animals is she can generate that a relationship can generate that higher level of ecstasy but nature will give it to her at that time uh, when she's ovulating if she's not totally stressed her estrogen levels will double now at that time what makes it what happens you can measure in her body is testosterone levels will now start to rise and create the desire for sex in her so first she goes high into her female energy estrogen and that is i depend on someone i need someone i can't do it myself i want help and the modern translation of i can't do it myself let me update that i open the door for my wife to get into the car on a romantic date in the beginning i used to say now of course honey you can open this car door all by yourself but you do so much for so many people. Let me do things for you tonight. To see how that context creates a permission for her to go to her female side without her having to deny a truth, a practical truth. She can do it herself. Women can do it all, but then can they sleep that night? They can do it all, but are they gonna be happy doing it all? Wouldn't you like to not have to do it all and have help? <laughs> That's like, that's the, <laughs> so yes. We Part have of me it. just wants to reach through the screen and have a hug and go, I would love that. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it is so true. I love uh, what I'm, what I picked up there as my little aha was the way that that um, example shows that you're not doing things for someone because you don't think they can do them well. You're doing things to literally just do things for them. It's as simple as that. And it makes you and them feel good. Other person realizes this is not because I don't think you can do it. It's just because I want to do stuff for you. And it'll make you feel happier. You do so much for so many people. Let me do for you. You know, you know, it's like queen for a day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's nice to have people do things for you. That's why we go to restaurants. That's why restaurants are often seen so romantic. Someone's doing it for you. You know, it's, it's uh, having someone attend to your needs. Not that we can't attend to other people's needs. That would not be happy all the time to have everybody doing things for us. We want to do things. But generally speaking, women will do more in personal relationships. They're giving and giving. There's an instinct in women which comes from the hormones that make babies, which is to anticipate needs. Men don't have that. We don't anticipate needs. I if could have told fire, you that one, John. Yes, you learned that. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a fire, we wake up. Otherwise, we're not yeah. looking for the fire, you know? Yeah. The women are always like looking for the fire. What, what am I, how am I needed? How am I needed? Yeah. So they tend to do more worry more, think more, anticipate more, and read into things more. They look more deeply into things and not always correctly. Mm. You know, like, why is he ignoring me? He just thinking about football games. Yeah. <laughs> so, so not ignoring you at all, actually. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. You can't give more than you're getting without eventually feeling resentful. And if you give from resentment, you're just proving how bad he is or you're proving how bad she is. Look, all I do for her and I get nothing back and I keep giving. Every time you give, you're, you're making the wound worse in that person. So what's the answer? The answer is to stop giving more than you're getting, but not withhold your love. Just start giving yourself 
what you need. Your 80% we talked about before, being a happy, fulfilled person, not dependent on your partner. Then from a place of fulfillment, give to them, but only from a place of fulfillment. You know, it's when you're complaining about your partner, what you need to do is realize, oh, I'm looking to them for too much. And I need to invest my time and energy in something else. But there's a catch to that that makes it work. You might, here's one thing that works and one thing that doesn't work. What doesn't work is you say, okay, my partner is not going to make me happy. So I'll just make, I'll make myself happy in spite of how horrible they are. Then, then nothing, you're always holding onto a resentment. You're even saying, look, these people, they're so nice to me. They care for me. My therapist is so wonderful. Why can't my husband do that? You see, that's not understanding the whole situation. The situation is you're depending too much on him if you're unhappy. So find your happiness and now come and give him more. If you give more, you will get more. But you're, getting, you're giving more from overflowing. See, when you're happy, you cannot looking at your part. Well, they do this for me. They do this for me. They do this for me. And then learning how to ask for what you want, to instruct him on how to do things for you. And women will say, oh, he won't listen to anything I say. And I ask them, well, how do you ask? It's, it, it's a complaint. I tell him he should do this. He didn't do that. No, it's, it's start with the small requests and then give little rewards. Give him the experience that he can do little things and that you're this happy woman and he has the power to make you happier. And I know I'm, I'm leaning on women there, but it, the whole thing is on men as well. We can learn. We can learn how to listen better, how to offer help more how to be more considerate and kind, how to be compassionate, how not to minimize her feelings. All of those things make her feel unsafe. And when she feels unsafe, then she wants to try to solve all the problems herself. That's why she's asking the questions and she's trying to fix it and trying to handle it. And that just pushes him away even worse. Or if he's seen it in fight or flight, if what you've seen in your parents is violence, then there'll be violence. And I never saw violence, so I've never been violent but I will withdraw. You know, my dad used to just walk out of the house. So I would, my first argument with a woman I was living with, <laughs> we got an argument. I just walked out of the house. And when I did, I felt so confident. <laughs> and then when I got out the door, I thought, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find out from dad what happened next. <laughs> I never knew what he did after that. You know, there was... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, it's a cute little story just to bring it back down to reality here out of the concepts. But it's, I remember it so clearly. I got in my car and drove away. I said, what am I going to do now? I'm going to go to the hotel. I'll, stay the, I'll sleep in the hotel. And I got to the hotel and I sat there. Why am I going to pay money for a hotel when I get come home and sleep? So I sat in my car for a while and then I just calmed down because I'm in my cave. You see, I'm no longer being aggravated. And I came back home, got in the bed, went to sleep. Next time it happened. Uh, I stormed out of the house, slammed the door, got in my car, and then I went, I'm just going to drive to the hotel, and then I'm going to sit there for a while, and then come back home, so why don't I just sit here for a while? <laughs> 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 and then finally, I, then, then, this happened in many layers, I'm shortening it down, but eventually it got to the place where I stormed down the stairs, and I thought, all I'm going to do is go get in my car, I'm not going to go to the hotel, I'm not going to drive away, so... That's ridiculous. Why am I even doing this? And my body kept continued to move and to get to the door to slam it. I just felt like I wanted to slam the door. And, but I didn't even go out. I just slammed the door. And then I heard upstairs as she reacted and she goes, 
oh, she burst into all these tears. And I realized, oh, that's, that's what I'm looking for, is I want her to know that she could lose me if she behaves that way towards me. And I want her to have that emotional reaction. And I thought, okay, why don't I figure out a way for her just to have that emotional reaction without my having to slam the door and all this stuff. And eventually that evolved into, if we got an argument, I said, okay, let's stop. I just want to understand all your emotions. I'm not going to talk. Just tell me more. I'll try to understand. Tell me more. I'll try to understand. And that became the birth of men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Because I don't need to talk. And when men do feel their need to talk, they, they're too far on their, they've seen their parents argue. They have no role model. Men have no role model of what it means to be a man, which is not to argue, not to whine, not to complain, not to get angry. It's not masculinity. That's weakness. That's what the drunk men do. You know, the, the old movies in China, I teach a lot in China. And they show there's always the guys who dress nice. They're the kings. They're the wealthy guys. They have training. They have education. And they want to protect their community against the monkey men. The monkey men are all these guys and they're in gangs and they drink alcohol and they beat up women and they're always ruffians and pushing each other over. They're the monkey people. And then you have the refined people. We're trying to all be refined people. And the, the refined person doesn't argue, doesn't fight, doesn't make excuses even. But they, they have their training. They don't want to ever hurt anybody, but they will defend and they will protect. And that's what masculinity is about. We don't have those clear role models anymore. We just have people shooting other people or whatever. And, but that's all, not even the important thing. It's learning the concept, men, if you're angry, do not take action other than to get away, do something that makes you feel good, open your heart when you feel good, then reflect on how you caused that problem. Same thing for women. When you're feeling so hurt, Go talk to another woman who understands your hurt. Let your feelings be heard. Because when you share your emotions, intimacy, someone can see what you feel, your estrogen will go up, your stress levels will go down, the blood flow comes back to the front part of your brain where you're no longer a monkey and you're an adult and you can question, okay, how did I contribute to that problem? If you can recognize that the problems in your life, yes, there are bad people, yes, bad things happen to us, but also we're not powerless, we're not victims, we contributed to it. But without this knowledge, particularly women, they, they don't know how they contributed to the problems. Therefore, when women divorce, usually it's nine years before a woman gets married again, and quite often she doesn't. And you can, that's the reason, they lose confidence. They don't know, they felt like a victim. I, I don't know how I could have done it differently. And for men, we get involved right away because we tend to feel, oh, that was her fault. We'll just pick another one. <laughs> so the divorce, the divorce statistics, the divorce statistics, sec in California, we have the highest divorce rate of the world. It's 60% first marriage, 75% second marriage, 90% third marriage. Because men will tend to, men will just tend to pick another partner thinking, oh, it's her, you know, I married the wrong woman. Now I'm going to go with the right woman. And women, they will feel like, how can I trust? Because I trusted a man. I can't trust myself to pick the right man. I can't trust myself to know what to believe. So, so I've spoken to, now that I'm 44, I have a little bit of experience with um, friends and divorce, um, not myself, but um, I've spoken to a lot of women and, and actually some in my mother's generation, older women, 
uh, who are maybe widowed, who have confided that they genuinely just don't feel interested in going into another relationship because they had to do so much. So um, I'm interested in your view there. Was it was it an illusion that we have to do so much? Is it that we're not communicating properly? And um, I don't know. I just feel like some of the things you've talked about today is that we just actually need to, half the time we just need to find partners who are willing to do the work to become good communicators and understand the balanced needs that keep everybody feeling happy. That feels like unless you find a partner that's willing to do that with you, then you're always going to think you married the wrong person or, um, so I don't there know. you are again. That's the female perspective. You have to find a partner who's willing to do this stuff. Men think, oh, any woman's ready for me. I just picked the wrong one. Uh-huh. Men would just go to another woman, figure that was a flawed okay. person. Yeah. You're like looking for some special guy who has special <laughs> techniques and, and you finally can find, there's so many hard ones to find. So let me address that, okay? <laughs> It's good that I said that then, just oh, playing really into good. the stereotypes. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's very good. Well, first of all, there's a lot to unpack what you just said when you talk about these women. First of all, I deal with all kinds of women, all ages. And generally after menopause, women's estrogen levels already take a dive. And it doesn't mean that they can't fall in love. It means they're more challenged to fall in love because falling in love is when your estrogen doubles. 20 times more than a man. Okay. So, 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 but also for women, it's not so much how much estrogen, it's the balance in her body of estrogen to progesterone and testosterone. So, her estrogen has to be this dominant player for most of the month, not all the time, but for most of the month, it has to be a dominant player for her to experience falling in love. So, women will say to me, you know, I, their, husband, their husbands have died or they've gotten a divorce, they're very successful women. They don't need a man for money or whatever, but they, they, would like, they would like to be in a relationship and they find good men, but they go, you know, I can't fall in love. I can't fall in love. Well, that's because you're, you're basically too independent. You see, it's all a matter of how much permission you give yourself to feel I need love. I need someone. If I'm hungry, I will enjoy my dinner better. When you, have, when you feel your need for something, your ability to love it increases. When you feel your need for something, if you don't need a man, I'd like to have a man. Okay, you'll have a pleasant man to be around. You're not going to fall in love. You're not going to feel passion. She remembers falling in love. She remembers what it was like, but she can't find that part of her. It's not the man out there. It's her. It's finding that place inside of her. And the doing part, I love, I'm unpacking what you said. She says, you know, being with another man, it's just more doing. That's because she doesn't know how to get a man to do things for you. It, it used to be, this was not a big issue for women feeling like they were doing all the time. They were doing all the time, but they weren't on their male side so far. They were with children. They were in a safe environment and they were with other women who instinctively help and offer help. So there's a community. So women are in a community, they have shared pain, they have shared upsets, they have shared joy. They help. It's the village. It's the village stimulates estrogen. So there she has, today women don't have that village. They're over on their male side. So doing becomes a burden because you're out of balance. 
nothing wrong with doing all the time. Actually, women do, happy women are doing stuff all the time. Unhappy women are complaining, I have to do so much. I have to. It's that little phrase, I have to, is testosterone building. See, I have to get up and go to work and make money to support my family. That makes me stronger. That motivates me. What motivates men, what increases testosterone is I have to do this. I'm in quarantine. I have to exercise. So I'm exercising on my bike. And because I know I don't have all the other challenges I normally experience, I do it longer. I go to my comfort zone and I imagine my trainer is there and says, now give me three more. <laughs> give me five more minutes. Give me 10 more minutes. You, if you have to push harder, willpower, doing what you have to do to accomplish a goal is not always easy. That builds testosterone. When women lose touch with the feminine side, they're kind of lost on the male side, feeling I have to do this. Why? Because if I was to ask for help, I'd be seen as weak. If I was to go to my female side and need help, he wouldn't be there. He doesn't do it good enough. He never does it good enough. Because if you're not on your female side, you're more demanding. You want too much. You know, everybody knows women are hard on themselves visually. You know, it's like women can always pick, pick apart themselves. You know, just they're so hard on themselves. But if you're loving yourself, you're not hard on yourself. You love your body the way it is and you want to make it better. That's a natural thing, but women know how hard they can be on themselves. Well, that's how you are on men. When you're out of stress, it's like what he does, it's not enough, not enough, not enough. And then he doesn't feel appreciated, so then he does less and less, and now you have more things to complain about. And you say, see, see? And I go right back to the basis. First of all, in the beginning, you fell in love with this guy. He was enough, what happened? It's an interaction, a relationship is never, it's a chicken and an egg, okay? So there's no, is it the, is it she gave birth to this or this gave birth to her? It's interdependence. Which comes first? Is it her that made him go down or is it him going down that made her unhappy and not able to ask? It always goes back and forth. And the beautiful thing is that if one person changes, they can create a change. Now, having said that, doesn't mean you can change someone completely, okay? Particularly if there's drugs involved, alcohol involved, joblessness involved. You've got bigger issues that are affecting the whole thing, or brain damage, ADD type problems. You know, these are things that are out of your control, but you can bring out the best in someone to a certain point. But often when I hear people talking about their victim story, the man who says, oh, nothing I do can make her happy. She's so negative. I'm always so positive. You know, I practice positive thinking. And I say to him, you know, you sure sound negative about her. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, nobody could ever argue with me about when they blame their partner. I go, uh, blame on you, blame on you. <laughs> blame them, I'll blame you right back. There's always, we're not victims. We tell a story to ourselves, but we create our problems, but we don't know how we create our problems. That's, that is a real challenge today because our problems are new. It used to be that women just needed, to a certain extent, a, a guy who had pretty good childhood, so he was had a job, had education, he could provide, and she wanted, and she felt all these maternal instincts because she was very feminine. She wanted to have babies, she wanted to feed her babies, she wanted to be with her babies, and she was so grateful because she could do this baby thing and not have to go out in the world and work. I mean, when I was a young guy, I thought, gee, women have it easy, you know, <laughs> not that they do, but but I was, I don't want to have to go to work every day, you know. There was this funny show called um, 
I forget the name of the show, but one of the characters would say, work. Oh, no, not work. You know, I, I don't have to work. It was like, that was too scary because that means failure. That means lack of love. But that's what makes, what males need is a training to work and have confidence doing it. And women need that too. It's just women need more how to find love and how to not be so dependent on a man. If you go to your female side, you fall in love, then you can start to want him completely and he can't be there for you. That's where the 80-20 thing comes back into balance again. I really like that. That's my favorite thing that I've focused on today is that um, reassurance that it really is just 20%. I have a, um, a theory that I call a cake theory and it got me through my breakups in my twenties and, and then subsequently many girlfriends, which was, you've got to be your own flour, butter, eggs, sugar, and someone can be the icing. And, and, um, and, you know, so it's really just working on that whole and letting someone compliment you instead of complete you. And, oh, that's um, beautiful. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it's helped me as a person not ever really expect the entirety of my happiness to rely on another human being. And I think that's, um, I feel relieved by that. You know, thank you for that horrific breakup in my mid twenties that kind of made me dig deep and, and figure that out, I guess. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, when they get divorced, uh, they separate in California, it's a law before you can actually divorce, you have to be separated for six months. And many people during that six months, they, they can no longer blame their partner for their unhappiness. They learn to be happy again and they fall in love with their partners and they don't get divorced. There's a high percent that actually go back together. They usually read my book first, but, uh, <laughs> but a bigger part of it, a bigger part of it is that they take the time away from being with their partner where they're depending so much on their partner. Because you can't be responsible for yourself if you're blaming somebody else. Mm. And would you say that's your your biggest little, well, it's not little, it's huge, your biggest piece of advice for people as we wrap up today is to start noticing maybe, maybe a, a simple exercise we can do is to just start noticing every time we blame someone, maybe it's our partner, uh, maybe it's a, our teenager, whatever, whoever it is we're blaming, and then, and then what should we be doing instead? What's the exercise we can then? Well, it, de it depends whether you're a man or a woman, okay? If you're a woman, uh, try going for 30 days without ever saying out loud any sort of critical, complaining, blaming statement. And what you would then do is journal what you would like to say without having to edit. Just imagine you could say anything. Go and nuts. Go but nuts. just put it Say in the what, journal yeah. instead. You want to vent. Okay. You mm -hmm. want to vent. And the reason you're venting is you're sending a message to yourself that these feelings and the things I'm writing are unproductive. That's why I'm not saying it to my partner. After you vent those feelings, then write a letter to yourself how you want your partner to respond. Start creating a picture of how you want your partner to respond. Then use your imagination, step three. Three steps. Okay, first vent. Step two, write out how you would like your partner to respond to what you just said. And that would be things like, I understand you're angry about this. I know you're disappointed. I'm so sorry about that. And I, I understand you feel this way. You're afraid this and so forth. And I want to be a better husband for you. I care about you. That's why I married you. Just let him write you a love letter back. Say the things to yourself. That's loving yourself. First, writing it out is listening to yourself. 
you can't expect your partner to hear you until you listen to yourself. Then give yourself the love and support that you would want to get from them. Then write the third letter as a letter back telling that imaginary partner how they make you feel. Okay, now you've just generated those positive feelings. You've just generated, that's one technique for generating positive feelings is be in relationship with yourself. Give yourself what you need. But the third step is just as important as to acknowledge when you said this, it makes me feel this, it makes me feel this, it makes me feel this. Now you're feeling positive feelings. That's one way of you. Another one is to talk to a girlfriend, talk to a coach, talk to a therapist. And if you're religious, pray. You know, a lot of the ancient prayers are complaining to God. <laughs> this time, imagine God, write a letter to God and complain. And then let God respond to you. And then thank God and say to God how that makes you feel. This is, a, this is relationship. This is communication. This is taking responsibility to talk to yourself to feel good. Because it's our own negative self-talk that's talking to this three-year-old in the back of our brains saying, he doesn't love you. You can't get what you need. You're going to have to start all over. That's terrorizing. Who will actually really love you? And the truth is, you know, secretly inside that you're not good enough. You're a failure. All this childhood All this crap mark. back there. Yes, yeah, crap gosh. back there. So you yeah. vent, you give yourself what you need. You imagine just creating a space to imagine getting that. And some people will say, oh, no, I can't even imagine him saying that. Well, you can imagine. You can imagine anything. And create a space for him to be the person you want him to be. And then your brain will start to look for that. But most importantly, doing that process will raise your estrogen levels back up. Then your stress levels go down. Then you can reflect in your mind on trying to understand how to make everything better. And that's where in the context of this conversation, you could say, oh, well, I'm looking to him for too much. I need to back off right now. This is a very difficult situation uh, because we're together all the time. I need to practice patience. I need to practice being tolerant and understanding. This is a chance for me to love myself more and a chance to create a comfort zone for him as well. I don't have to do anything for him. I just have to not be upset with him. And that's the greatest gift a woman can give a guy. Now, what a guy needs to do, he needs to go ride his bicycle. He needs to go do push-ups. He needs to use his muscles. You see, it's, if a man is too much in the estrogen land, he's got to pull away into testosterone land. He can watch an action movie on TV, we'll do it. He can do push-ups. Physical exercise is better, or mental exercise. He can solve problems. He can do solve work problems. Anything that he can do with his mind to overcome challenges, anything that he's been procrastinating, if he overcomes that procrastination, that one creates testosterone. So what I'm doing is really cleaning up the clutter in my house, all those little things that aren't worth my time, I'm now doing. From the point of view of if I have a resistance to it, overcoming that resistance will keep my testosterone in a, a better place. Just like if I'm lifting weights, you don't lift light weights. If you lift heavy weights, you build testosterone. So if you're being challenged, that's what men need. It's this challenge on your own. I'm going to face that challenge. I've got to the thing is right now you got to create the challenges you know that as opposed to the world is out there doing it for you we have to learn how to do it but this has been such a great time for me just i'm really exercising more than ever because <laughs> i realize it makes me feel so good normally if i'm running through airports and doing my lectures everywhere that's making me feel good but i'm really seeing the value of exercise more so for me that's a big testosterone booster and after you exercise as men 
then relax. You have to take time to recover. Then you will have the energy to give more to your partner. So it's a process of men of action and rest and a process for women of sharing and forgiving, sharing and letting go, uh, feeling and letting it go with love. And that's what you're doing by listening to yourself is you're feeling the upset feelings and you're letting them go with understanding because you're imagining this person giving you what you need and how it makes you feel. So those are some good processes. But let me just quickly review what we talked about before. Genie in a Bottle is for 20 minutes. You say to your partner, okay, for 20 minutes, we'll play Genie in a Bottle. That's where I'm going to ask you to do a lot of little things, not things you do tomorrow, not like always turn off the lights. Just go turn out the lights. Go do this. Go do this. Go do this. And he always, it's a game. Oh, it's my pleasure. Oh, I'm happy to do it immediately right now. And she goes, oh, how delightful. I enjoy this so much. You will feel the hormones being supercharged because she's in a position of not doing. He's in the place of doing for her. He's being appreciated by her. And she just gets to have that feeling of, oh, I don't have to do everything. <sighs> mm. Brilliant note to end on and a reminder that we all have different needs and, uh, and communicating them. And as is the case, not communicating uh, for guys sometimes <laughs> is really going to be a, an amazing transformational experience if you've been feeling like you're hitting a brick wall in your relationship lately. Oh, you know, I, you, what you just said for guys, I didn't finish that point though. I go and I feel better than in my relationship. I've taken my action and rest, then I give more in the situation, in the relationship. And, it, and it, let's say it was even a conflict and now I pulled away and I did my exercise, I did something, I go drive my car, I go solve some problem, I fix something in the garden, whatever it might be, where I'm solving a problem which makes men feel good. Then I've forgotten the problem. He should use willpower and say, forget what just happened. It's the opposite of what women should do. Women should remember what happened and talk about her feelings. Men should temporarily forget what happened. Don't think about it. And you can do this as a man. We can do this. Not like women. Women's harder, you know. Try not thinking of a pink elephant. You'll just think of a pink elephant. But men, just say, ignore that. Busy yourself. We're easy, easy to be distracted. We're built that way. So you distract yourself from remembering or thinking about what just happened. Then after you're feeling good, think about what just happened and think about from the point of view, first, what did she do wrong? Always the monkey brain wants to say, okay, what did she do wrong? Then say, okay, now discount that. What did you do? That's the solution. See, men always want to find what the solution is. Pointing out to her what she did wrong is not the solution. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the solution no. the only way you have power as you're a man is look at how you contributed to the problem and what you can do and going and telling her what she did wrong doesn't solve the problem looking at what you did is what solves it solves the problem and the same thing for women is going and telling him what he does wrong that doesn't work look at how you can contribute to solving the problem how you contributed to making the problem and then you say, okay, now I'm not going to do that again. So practically speaking, what it looks like occasionally, Bonnie, when I get in an argument, I will take time away, do something, feel good. And then I come back and we don't have that conversation right away, whatever we were talking about. Maybe it would be a week before we come back to that. I come back almost like petting a, a, a cat. You know, I'll come by, I'll stroke her hair, I'll offer to make her some orange juice. I'll 
you know, she'll see me cleaning up the kitchen or something nice I'm doing. So it's like, oh, we're back. The war is over. It's all peace time. And it takes, it's like foreplay. It's like you have to, you don't just jump right back into whatever you're talking about. You, you, you forget it. You leave it to the side. You don't, we don't have to resolve it now. Whenever we think we have to resolve it now, that's a fight or flight response. Nothing's going to work. You just got to recognize fight or flight, zip it. Don't address it. Wait till you're more comfortable and easy. And that means certain issues you have to wait a long time to deal with. It's, it's called patience. You know, patience is love. That's why they put those montages in movies <laughs> when the guy goes away and there's all these different things happening and then they reunite and they can figure things out. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, John. You're always so generous with your information, so helpful uh, in uh, not only helping us navigate relationships in general, but uh, really great today to uh, drill down into how we can live more true to ourselves and in more peace with ourselves and happiness inside oh, I ourselves. To, I have to, you, you brought out one more, I know we've gone a long time, but one, one other no, thing. No, that's okay. I Go for share. it. I want to share for what the practical things here that yeah. from what we derive, whenever we're learning something new, blood flows to the front part of the brain and we're no longer in this fight or flight. So many people, it's not like you mentioned in the beginning, some people are having a great time now and some people aren't and they're really suffering and there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of stress and the kids will act out. If you've got kids in the home, they act out parents' stress. So a lot of not such good feelings right now. And to learn new things, just take something that's interesting to you, start learning. It could be a video course, online classes. It could be reading from books. But if you're learning something meaningful for you, in your life, blood flows to the front part of your brain. And you have to make a decision, I need to do this. Not just to learn the new thing, but to get out of stress. It becomes your most important stress exit is to learn something new and different. That's A. And for women, it can be, here's some good things that produce estrogen. Being in an aerobics class where someone is guiding you. Someone is, and you can do that online. Okay, so someone's telling you what to do and you're doing it. Uh, that's why dancing is such a powerful estrogen stimulator. If a woman is with a man who knows how to lead, see when a man leads you to where you want to go, he's not controlling you. You want him to take you there. You want him to do the right steps. You want him to so let true. Go. You My group of friends at university, there was one guy in our group of friends who was a great dancer and us like none of us wanted to be boyfriend, girlfriend or anything with this guy, but he was just a great dancer and whenever we would all go out dancing, all the girls would like literally take their turn with the guy just because yes. it would just feel so nice to it's, be it's, with someone who knew where to take you. And that's your comfort zone. That's mm. the learning and also learning new dance steps. TikTok, these young people teach us. I'm like from the 60s, so I'm learning all these new dance steps from the kids. They're so complicated, but they'll do them in slow motion first. So you learn the moves and you can practice but also the old fashioned dancing where the man is leading the woman, that is really the major estrogen stimulator. But a yoga class online where somebody's telling you to move your body in a certain way, that's also big estrogen stimulator. Now for men learning new things that would give you skills and power, knowledge that would help your career, anything like that, or to build your body up. It's, but for men, it's always more about what, learn something, I can do something. But it's for women, the process of learning. Uh, also, for my daughter, I know she's doing a lot of the classes on gardening 
and cooking. This is like, these are very sort of uh, estrogen stimulating activities. And somebody's guiding you and leading you, giving you information that will be helpful in your life for you. That's estrogen stimulating. And we have a resource, it's all there. This is time to re-educate ourselves and notice how good it feels to learn new things as opposed to a lot of people have the addiction to the news. Okay, I limit myself. I do, well, today I only did 10 minutes, but I limit myself 30 minutes in the morning to see if there's any great hurricane that happened. And then before I go to bed, and the, or at least after dinner, I'll do another 30 minutes and then that's it. Just to see how bad it's getting. My brain still loves to see how bad it's getting. <laughs> it's the addiction. You know? The numbers are up there on the screen. You know, This many people have died, this many people this. It's like danger stimulates dopamine and we can easily get addicted to that. And then everything else is boring. I noticed this in the beginning when it was all happening. It was like, what's happening? And all to see how bad it's getting, what's happening. And I was watching a lot of TV because I'm not having much work to do. And then I would go to, well, why don't I watch a movie? Every single movie seemed boring to me. Now that's the sign of addiction is when you're dependent upon a higher stimulation, things that would normally be interesting to you are boring. So you've got to withdraw from the thing which is producing that high dopamine stimulation. Your brain will then come back to enjoying normal stimulation, but it takes willpower. And so I really highly recommend not watching so much news if you're one of these people that just see new and different. New and different and danger are all major dopamine stimulators like cocaine. Mm. So you let's choose new off. and different. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. learn how to garden and make sourdough instead of watching how <laughs> new and different the death tally the is today. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. very, very good advice. Thanks, John. And uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, I wish you well and your family well during these strange times. And let's all focus on being as healthy and happy as we can be. Sounds great. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart S T U A R T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support, and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low-Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.